Welcome to the Pastor's Porch, a place where pastors encourage one another, speak freely about the Word of God, and engage in real communal relationships with the body of Christ. We want to welcome you to episode one of the Pastor's Porch. Pastor Zach and I are going to discuss uh, the modern church and community. And we want to just go ahead and start off by saying the Pastor's Porch is just going to be a very laid-back discussion of some things that we talk about related to the church, but then kind of things that we talk about related to a pastor's daily life and daily living. So let me jump right in by saying welcome. Thank you guys for being here and thank you for listening. Appreciate each one of you uh, that take time in your day uh, to join us. Like Pastor T said, uh, the heart behind this project, if you want to call it that, is that people would be able to see that, A, we're just two regular guys who love Jesus, and B, we're normal people. We have normal lives, and that's why uh, this project, we want to call it the Pastor's Porch. Uh, the heart behind that is everyone can is welcome at the porch, and everyone yeah. is welcome to talk about life and good things, bad things, in-between things, fun things, hard things, projects, uh, hard work. And not everything will be geared towards our local church, but of course we do have experience in the church that we pastor. And so we welcome you. We thank you for being a part of that. With that being said, we're going to jump right into what we want to talk about today, which is this community of believers. And when we look at the modern church versus the church in the book of Acts, obviously we notice some distinct differences. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to talk about community in the modern church. And so my first question would be to Pastor T, when I say what is community in the modern church, give me an idea of what that looks like and what that makes you think of. Well, community to me, um, take it out of church, just what is community? It's, it's a group of people um, that enjoy spending time with one another. It's, it's a group of people that are engaged in each other's lives. It's, a, it's um, them wanting to take part in giving and receiving together. Um, so then you put that in the church, you know, what is community within the modern church? It should be this enjoyable time that people get to spend with each other, um, you know, growing with each other in, in the Word. Spending time loving on one another. And it's not so much um, somebody is trying to get something from somebody, but they're just engaged in so much relationship with one another that um, they want to be involved in each other's life. They want to be involved in praying for each other. They want to be involved in, in giving to each other. And on the flip side of that, because they are giving, they are also receiving from a like-minded believer as well. Um, and I think the book of Acts talks um, and kind of puts a blueprint of, of what we should be like and what community should be like within the modern church. I mean, you look all through the book of Acts um, and you see of, of the gathering of house churches. Um, and I think that's one thing that we do a good thing, um, a part of unity, is we want to be like the book of Acts and spend time in small settings, gathering in, in community um, but we also want that for other churches. We want that for other believers. We want that um, just to be, uh, we want to be the example through the book of Acts of what that community should be like. And, and I think in the modern church, we have 
um, we have failed in that regard of really exemplifying community. We make it this um, expectation that you have to be here on Sunday morning with an emotional experience, um, with perfect worship, with a perfect word that just tickles our ears, and then you go out through the week and try to um, minister to people or just live life. Um, that's not what the church was established for. The church was established to have community and to have gatherings um, throughout the week. And it doesn't have to be something that is necessarily established of, oh, we're meeting every Tuesday at 2 p.m. and having coffee. Right. It could be something as simple as, hey, you're free for lunch. Let's go get lunch. Let's gather. Let's, let's just talk. Let's just um, engage in life with one another. Um, and you want to do it around people that you're, you're comfortable with and people that are um, living the same life as you, you yeah. know. Um, I, I want to sit with elders who are retired and um, have experienced, you know, life to the fullest for the last 30 years. And they can speak to me, but at the same time, I also need to sit with people who have babies like I do so that because we're going through life together and so how we can balance that and, and grow in community with one another there is is important. It's a thousand percent important and the, and the reality is that that community in scripture, community in scripture is one of the most beautiful things that, that God has offered us and and you know the mission of our church is gather, grow, go. I mean, that all is about community, gather in community, gather in worship, gather in fellowship, uh, grow in the Word of God, grow in serving, grow in being together, and then going into the world. But even in the simplest context, before we even get to the New Testament church, the Lord, when he created Adam, he saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone. Yeah. And when he wrote that, when he spoke that, he, he created woman from man. And then you have the two genders that God has created, male and female. And the reality is that God has made it so clear, even from the beginning, that it wasn't his purpose for man to be alone. Well, yep. if you take that into the context of the local church in the day and age, because we're talking about the modern church, it's not good for man to be alone. One of the most dangerous traps that I've seen in my tenure here as the pastor in the four or five years that I've been the pastor of the church, part of my cell phone going off, um, the reality that one of the most dangerous things that I've seen is that people are content? People are content with being alone. Yeah. COVID was a real revealer of people's hearts, and I really believe that. And and somehow, some churches. I mean, we we were one of the blessed ones that we grew through COVID. Yeah. We've grown from COVID and since COVID, and so I understand we're in a blessed position. But there are so many people who have come to the body of Christ now where they've they've limited their experience with God into what they can get from a clip on the internet. Yeah. And they've limited their experience with God of what they can get sitting on their couch. And I just don't see that in the scripture. Yeah. And I, I, I really go back to the, the simple words that the Lord had in Genesis 2 when he said, it's not good that man is alone. Yeah. And, and when you go throughout the scripture, you'll find that when men were alone and when women were alone and when they were without community and family and relationship uh, that, that sometimes things get off course really easily. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can go back to David when he should have been in battle, but he was on the rooftop, right? And look at what happened between him and Bathsheba. 
he was out of line. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. And I think community sometimes is about accountability. Yes, it and it's is. something that we don't like to talk about. Yeah. But this is the fact that that you need accountability. I need accountability. We yeah. all need accountability. And so in the book of Acts, what we saw was the day of Pentecost comes. Peter presents the gospel. There's many born again, and then immediately they move into this place of accountability. Mm -hmm. I mean, these people literally just start giving up their lives. They give up their possessions. They give up everything, and they say, we're going to follow this simple uh, few things. And this is what, what it says in, ver in verse 41. Uh, I'm going to read there and then down just a couple verses of Acts chapter 2. Uh, then they were gladly received the word, and they were baptized. The same day was about 3,000 souls. And they continued in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. If verse 42 isn't community, then the Bible doesn't talk about community. Yep. Because that is the definition of community. Being together in the apostles' simple doctrine. What is that? That's the doctrine of the Christ crucified and resurrected. And fellowship. But notice the difference between breaking of bread and fellowship, right? We like to put those two things together, but the Bible makes a difference here. The fellowship is the coming together. The breaking of bread is engaging in life. Yep. It is literally provision. It's basically <laughs> eating together. Praise God. Yeah. The it's, Lord set up potlucks before we ever even knew. <laughs> that's exactly right. In prayer. I love what the Amplified says Read it. from this verse. Um, it says, And they steadfastly preserved, devoting themselves constantly to the instruction and fellowship of the apostles, and then to the breaking of bread, which it, it literally says, including the Lord's Supper in prayers. Look at that. And so it's, it's literally spending time eating and praying together. Yes. Literally. Yes. And that's so true of, of God created potlucks before we even knew what they were. Well, you know. It's the, importance, it's the importance of the community. And, you know, going back to what you said about man should not be alone, I think of my own life. Um, I think of the times that I've been alone. Nothing good has come from it. Right. You know, I mean, we're, we're going to be raw and real on this thing. Um, you know, the times that I have had sin in my life, I look back at it, it's been alone. Mm -hmm. it's, been, mm. it's been the most times, 95% mm. of the times if I have engaged in anything that I have shouldn't have, if I've lusted after something I shouldn't have, if I've had thoughts after things I shouldn't have, um, it, it's all been times where I've been alone. Mm. And why is that? Is because community, unity, being together as a body of Christ, that accountability, it's important. It's necessary. It's necessary for the fellowship. And, and as it says right here, it's necessary for the apostles' doctrine. Well, and and I don't wanna I don't wanna miss the point that you said. I wanna get back to that in just a minute because I will agree with you that when the devil has had strongholds in my life, as a Christian, it has been in seasons when I was alone, tired, yeah. hungry, these sort of things. I don't know if you guys get hungry and fall into sin, but the reality is that happens. Here's, here's, here's where we're at. Here's where we're at. Think about the context of verse 42, because you brought up something there out of the Amplified Version that just solidified a message that I preached uh, about a month ago before Easter, before Resurrection Sunday, they also included the Lord's Supper in this. Yes. Well, what did the Lord do the night before he went to the cross? He had a final supper with his disciples. Yep. They literally partake of the Passover, and he created the new covenant yep. setting at a table yes. where he had just washed their feet in community, 
where he established what was to come to pass. And here's the crazy thing. He's looking Judas in the face. He's looking Judas in the face and even says, the one who dips the bread with me is the one who will betray me. And he's looking at all of them. But do you know, even in that calling, in that context, outside of that moment, he's creating a pattern. Mm -hmm. Because he said, I want you to do this until I come. Yeah. What if I told you that the Lord's Supper was not religious, but it was community? Yes. What if what if we looked at it as this was meant to be taken around our tables and not just to stand up in front of the church and make it a show? And I don't I don't mean it the way that that sounds. I love taking communion in church, but you know some of my favorite times is when me and the worship team or me and my family take it. Yeah. Sometimes because of the Private. way church. Yeah. Um. Uh. Because the the worship team doesn't always get a chance to take it during church. Sometimes the worship team and I will take it together in my office before service. Or my family and I will take it at home together. And do you know, uh, like Christmas time, we do a special family communion where your family comes and we pray individually as, as not just corporately, but as individual families. And I just don't want to miss that in this, is that Jesus was setting up community. Yeah. So the whole thing he was doing yeah. for us here is, I'm going to give you the pattern. I'm going to show you how to live apart from sin. But in order to fully experience this, you're going to need to gather with one another and partake of the Lord's Supper, pray together, and be together. Yeah, we got that. I love, I, uh, I have this Bible that has some commentary, and I just... The Lord told me to go look at it because it literally has to do with what you said when it says, in the fellowship of the breaking of the bread, here's what the commentary says. has to do with the celebration of the Lord's Supper, look which was a more informal setting than we presently Wait make. a second. It literally An says, which was probably setting. a much more informal setting than presently. Wow. And so it literally, it wow. just, it solidifies the fact that we have made that type of community in Lord's Supper something mm. of a religious standard than what mm. the Lord des- designed and mm. defined it to be. That's so good. It's supposed to be informal. I, it's oh. supposed to be community. It's oh. supposed to be intimacy with each other in, in the body of Christ. And we have created it to be something. And there's don't, don't get us wrong. There's nothing wrong with a Sunday morning communion time with the whole church. But if that's all it is, we have failed as a body of Christ of what the design of the Lord's Supper is supposed to be. It's supposed to be informal. It's supposed yeah. to be intimate. It's yeah. supposed to be community. One of the best one of the best times of communion I've ever had in my life was um, during COVID, as I'm sure many of you guys know. We, when the COVID stuff first came out, all the churches in Northwest Arkansas were closing. And, and I don't know how anybody else felt as a pastor. I can't explain what anybody else thought. But this is what I can be honest and say, is that I honestly thought if I didn't close the church, I was going to kill, like, all the people above 50. <laughs> and so, so I thought I had to. Yeah. And I don't know if we went four or five or six weeks. We, we went some time where we did everything online and everything, like filming these videos and these parking lot services and all this. And at some point in there, my family and I did communion sitting at my supper table. Just me, my wife, Colleen, and the four children. And this is what I can tell you. 
is I think we used Kool-Aid and white bread. That's all we had. Yeah. We had white bread and we had some sort of Kool-Aid drink my wife had, had made. But I can tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that was one of the most perfect times of communion that I have ever experienced in my life because we wanted to take that together and be reminded. Yeah, and it's it's the simplicity uh, of your hearts in that is it didn't matter what you had. The idea was to do exactly what the Bible says, to do it in remembrance of the Lord. Absolutely. And I think that's where, you know, as we as a modern church, as we make it to where you have to have this this piece of bread and grape juice, is I don't think the Lord makes it to where it has to be one perfect thing. That's right. It's it's the condition of our heart of doing exactly what the Scripture says and, and partaking in remembrance of Him. Thousand percent, and you take it back to community, and what and what you know the Book of Acts is saying here is community doesn't have to look one way. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't. It can be different for everybody. That's right. That's it can be right. different from you know. Doesn't matter what church you may pastor. Doesn't matter what congregation you may be a part of. Community is important, and it's supposed to be different. Absolutely, it's supposed to be. And one thing that I've been really studying these last few weeks is, is the fact of, you know, the, the creation of God's people. Yeah. And there's 7 billion people on this planet. Right. And not one of them was created the same. Think about that. Not one of them. Not one. And so for us to, to we're guilty of it even is, is in churches for us to look at other churches and try to create something that is the same as other places. Not our purpose. It's not our purpose. It hasn't. Sorry. It's not designed to be that way, and that's what I think that we have to we have to get back to, um, even as community within the church, is that we be who Christ has called each one of us to be. We be the church. Unity needs to be the church God has designed and called it to be. Mm-hmm. Other people that are listening to this podcast, maybe other pastors, be the pastor you're called to be. Be the church you're called to be. Smiling. Be the be the um, the person within the church. Just uh, a a like minded believer within the church. Be who God has called you to be. We have to quit comparing and trying to make ourselves. Um, like somebody else, God didn't design us to be like anybody well, else. Well, and, and to bring this full circle back to what you brought up earlier about community is it whether it's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 through 14 or whether we go over to Hebrews 10 or whether we're here in the book of Acts, wherever we're at, we can, we can come to this conclusion. Um, a friend of mine said it well one time when he said, he said, understand why the Lord use the words assembly. Why did he use the words assembly? Well, you can send me the parts of an engine, but if they're not assembled properly, mm. the engine will not function. Yeah, and, and every part of that engine has to be there in yeah. order for the engine to function. That's so good. And, 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 and I, of course, I don't know much about cars, but the man was talking to me, he, he began to talk to me how each part of the engine and each valve and each this and each hose and each this and as he began to take that through we were talking about hebrews 10 where it says don't forsake the assembling here's why this is the truth there are people in this church who 
aside from you being one of their pastors, they're going to benefit you in your spiritual walk, in your spiritual journey. Beyond any title, beyond any place that you're at, they are here now, and you need to live in what we call doing life with them. Mm-hmm. There are the same people in my life. You're in my life. I'm in your life. Uh, our friends, uh, our community that we go have lunch with, our coffee, and talk through the things of God, these, these group of men that we get to sit with and do those things with, there's a reason yes. that God has brought us all together. But if, if one of us or two of us or five of us decide that we don't need to assemble any longer, mm-hmm. look at the robbery that we do to the whole car, to the whole vehicle. Yeah, The vehicle can no longer go down the road because we've decided that our part wasn't important. Mm. And that, that mm. is just... If we only understood that we are called to a place. Now, pastors, we know that that we could go back and look at Scripture and see where we're called to a region and a church. That's just the reality. Men uh, and and people of God that are are called to regions, they're called to regions. Yes, we're called to this church. We're called to Union Covenant. But we're both also called to West Fork. Yes. And we're called to Northwest Arkansas. Yes, we are. And we're called to this region. And so in, in depth, of that, there are people in this specific church or in the body of Christ, wherever their church is, God does not place you where he does by accident. Correct. You have a reason to assemble there. Mm-hmm. Just because you can't see the blueprint doesn't mean you can't build. Yeah. You can oh, still good. do what God shows you, and you can still be faithful to what God tells you to do, and you can still read this word Read the Word of God and understand the value of community. Yeah. And, and you see that all throughout these first five, six chapters, well, the whole book of Acts. But but you really see it in these, these first few chapters. And you see the difference in, in how some men respond and some women respond to the gospel and how others respond to the gospel. And, and I can't help but think, to go back to what you said earlier when you said, when I got in trouble, when I fell short, mm-hmm. I was often struggling in community. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, that's the truth. And all of us. Yeah. I mean, th- there's no, uh, the show when I was a kid was called Lone Ranger, and so they used to say lone wolves, but I don't think wolves belong in the church, so I don't like that word. So I said <laughs> there's no lone rangers yeah. in the kingdom of God. No, and there shouldn't be. It's not intended that way. It, look, at, look at chapter 3. Peter and John go out together. Right? When the lame man is healed by the yeah. I mean, all throughout this word, you're going to see uh, that's what people going together. I was, just, I was just sitting there thinking about it, of, of all the scriptures, um, of the importance of two or, it was always two or three that Jesus sent out together. Why is that? Why do you think? Well, I, that's a deep question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's, that's a deep question. I don't know that we have enough time yeah, this to yeah. talk about it, but... It, a short, short answer, I mean, you go back to the scriptures, it's where two or three are gathered together, there he is in the midst. Yeah. It goes back to Genesis 1, Genesis 2, the whole book of Genesis of what you talked about earlier. It's not good for man to be alone. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's reason behind that. And I think that's one tactic the devil uses, especially in the modern culture, because our, our culture says, you, you, you. You go get it. You get the raise. You get the new identity. You get the points. You, 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 you. And why is that is because the devil knows that community is going to destroy him. Mm 
Mm. Mm. And so, you know, going back to that question, yeah, it's deep. Why is it that God sent two or three out? Is because He established community <clears throat> from the very beginning. Yeah. And if we, as a body of Christ, understand that and walk in that, we see growth. We see salvations. We see miracles happen from that. You know, I think of even, even it, it, I mean, scriptures tell us those who were in alone times when things didn't happen. You know, you mentioned David on the roof. David was supposed to be within community on a battlefield. That's right. And he yeah. wasn't. He was alone in yeah. what happened. Yes. Sin. That's right. I think of, you know, how we just studied the book of Jonah. Yep. Jonah got selfish mm-hmm. and alone mm-hmm. and retreated and went away from his calling. But when he came back to the community of where God had called him to, hundreds of thousands were born again. And it's all all throughout the Scriptures, and we have to study that Scripture. And one thing that I really want to talk about real quick here, too, is the fact that we have to be okay with somebody keeping us accountable. Absolutely. You know, our culture, when things go against things that we have said and done, our Culture has told us to just get rid of that person and call them liars and and cut them out from our lives. And sure, there are things in our lives where we have to be accountable for that aren't going to be easy. Right. And sure, we may not understand it in, in the in the time, but we have to be okay with people correcting us. We have to. That is a hard place to get in life. It is. Constructive criticism is one of the most beneficial things that can happen in the life of a believer. Yes, it is. But even that very term, it's that turn term people, it, they're, scares they're, people they're, away. It, yeah, it turns their ears off to it immediately. I was, I was listening to a man talk to a young man the other day, a young teenager, and uh, the, the context of the game of baseball, and this was the word was, are you coachable? Are you coachable? And so the question becomes to us in the body of Christ is, is, can people present the word to us and us not get offended Yeah, what they say? I mean, honestly, that's a real question because yeah, I'm going to tell you right it's now. It's a very offended culture we live in. Everybody loves the pastor until they preach to him. Yeah. Everybody loves the pastor until he talks about what's going on in their life yep. or directly says something. And pastors love to think they're always right. You know, it's a two-way street, and they don't like to be corrected either. And there's a way to do it, and the Scripture lays it out. The the Scripture lays it out of how to go to our brothers. Mm -hmm. Well, we'd rather go to social media than go to our brothers. We'd rather go behind their back and talk to all their friends or go talk to anybody else. I mean, I can't tell you that, that, that the times criticism has come back to me, it's rarely from an individual. It often comes from another lane because somebody won't come talk. Yeah. And uh, and not that I've never been guilty of that. I'm a human being. Of course I've been guilty of that. But people miss out on the simplicity of Scripture. Again, mm-hmm. the blueprint of Scripture, when you have a problem with somebody, you're to go to them and talk to them. Yeah. You know, just it, go it, talk to them. The Word talks about it all the time. <laughs> just go and talk. Yeah. You know, but the book of Proverbs, I think it, I, I'm going to paraphrase a verse, and I don't even remember exactly where it's at in Proverbs. I'd have to look it up. But it says a brother offended is harder to be won than a walled city. You know, it's yeah. it's hard to win back 
somebody once you have offended them. Paul says in the New Testament, he says, oh, I've become your enemy because I told you the truth. Mm-hmm. You know? But this whole context of community is throughout the scripture. You know, I, this is not original to me, but uh, there was a pastor, a great friend of mine, uh, Brother Dean, taught me this years ago. The very first three verses of the Bible, we see community. We see the Trinity. Yeah, we In do. the beginning, God. Yep. The very next verse, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The very next verse, and God said. So we see God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son. Yeah, because you go back to John 1.1, 1, 1, <laughs> yes, where it says, the, in the beginning was the Word. Yes, that's right. And the spoken Word, yeah. that is Jesus. Yeah, that's so So good. community is really a representation of the Trinity of God. Well, it, you go back, it's a pattern. and we can go even deeper yeah. than that in Genesis 1, when it says, Genesis 1.26, when it talks about God creating man. That's right. It literally says, in our image. Our image. Our, our image. image. Not just one, but our image, meaning the Trinity. Yeah. Man, that's so good. That's so, so good. I, I felt bad for not knowing that verse. It's Proverbs eighteen nineteen. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. Yeah. That's the truth, man. I mean, that is a that is a hard, hard hill to climb. So I want to get to these two characters as we're kinda we're kinda thinking about landing this plane and we're kinda thinking about uh, maybe getting towards the end. Maybe we'll go another hour, I don't really know. We'll find <laughs> out in a minute. Um but in, in, in context of the book of Acts, as we see this man, I, wanna, I want to read this scripture at the end of Acts 4, if you'll allow me. Um, and some amazing things have happened up to this point. But this is, this is really interesting to me. I'm going to read verse 32 through 37, and then I'm going to read verse 1 and 2 of verse 5. So, so about eight or nine verses here. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. And neither said any of them the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. We could hang out there for a minute. But, yes. but listen to this. And with great power gave the apostles to witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. This is, this is the hard one for me to get past in the modern church. Nobody lacked. Yep. For as many were possessors of lands and house, sold them, brought the prices of the things that were sold. They laid them at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made to every man for whatever he had need of. And Joseph, who was by the apostles' surname Barnabas, which is interpreted the son of consolation or the son of encouragement, a Levite from the country of Cyprus, he sold land and brought it in the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay? So we see what Barnabas did. We see what all God's doing here. Now watch the next two verses at the beginning of chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, they sold a possession. They kept back a part of that price with his wife also having knowledge of it. And they only brought a certain amount and laid it at the apostles feet okay so we know what happens next okay uh or maybe not everybody does ananias and sapphira lie to god Mm -hmm. straight up just lie to god and everybody's like well why did god kill him and and this is what i honestly believe i think they could have said hey we're going to sell the land and we're only going to bring you so much but i think it was that they lied about what had happened yeah and i think god and if you go down and read i think it's like verse 11 where it says great fear came upon the things in the church yep. and everyone that heard this, right? And so, but go backwards to go forwards. 
these last five verses of chapter four are mind-blowing to me today because I don't see that in the modern church. Nope. I, I don't see one heart. I don't see one soul. And I see a lot of people lacking. Mm-hmm. You know, and I understand, like, our culture is not set up for us to go out and sell homes that are, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and uh, I understand the culture in America where we live is built in such a way that we are, um, you know, when I was a kid, you could have a one-income household and, yeah. and make it. Yep. And and today, that's just simply not true. It's impossible. And, and unless, you're, unless you're in the top 1% of earners Correct. in the country. Correct. It's very hard. Sure. It's, I mean, the area we live, the cost of living, I don't know how you could make it on one income yeah. where we live, if you, especially if you have kids and you have to have multiple bedrooms and these sorts of things. I don't know how you would. Um, But when I read this, I'm challenged because I see this big word where it says, nobody lacked. Lacked, yeah. That is like the biggest definition of community. All those things you spoke about at the beginning of of the broadcast was that we needed to have a place where people didn't lack. But then we see this guy come in, Barnabas. The son of encouragement. Mm-hmm. We see Barnabas come in, and Barnabas says, "I'm selling everything, and I'm not selling everything just to sell it to pocket it. I'm giving everything, everything to the gospel yeah. for to the, the mission of the gospel." Yeah. yeah. You know, you bring up you bring up a tough a tough thing to talk about. Um, you know, and I just thinking about that. I was taken to Matthew six. Verses 20 through 22, where it says, Lay up yourselves treasures, excuse me, 19 through 22. It says, Lay not up treasures on earth, where moth and rust does corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. And verse 20 says, But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, for neither moth nor dust corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. Verse 21 and 22 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The light of the body is the eye, therefore the eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. And this brings up exactly what we're talking about at the end of Acts um, chapter 4 into, into 5 is, I think, maybe not even purposefully, yeah. some purposefully, yes, but I think maybe not even purposefully is that we, be, we have become so concerned with things that we have established and things mm. that we have here on earth. That's good. That's not good. even purposely. Yeah. Not even that we think that, you know what, I'm more concerned with having a $300,000 house than I am giving to, giving to the missions. Wow. But we've become so innately bought into things of this culture mm-hmm. and wanting to, to suffice culture standards mm-hmm. That we lack mm. in spirituality, mm. and you know, you exactly what happened with these this community and with Barnabas is I'm, I'm taken back to exactly what verse uh, where is it verse thirty four. Neither was there any that lacked, for as many were possessors of the land, they sold mm. them and brought pieces of the soul, laid them so that distribution was made to every man according to what they needed. Mm -hmm. So I had a thought. Mm -hmm. What if 
the community and the body of Christ in the modern church, instead of being so concerned with having the next greatest multimedia, having the next greatest building, having the next greatest piece of modern day equipment, that we just distributed among our, amongst our community. Wow. Wow. And I'm not saying anything's bad having any of those right. things. But it begs the question that if we have community and we have members that are lacking, mm-hmm. where has the modern church gone wrong in focusing on all these other things mm. instead of giving to those in need? That's a great, huge thing to talk about, man. And it's not necessarily yeah. even that it becomes that that we have focused on doing that, but we we go back to what we talked about earlier. We get so concerned with being like everybody else that we mm-hmm. miss exactly what the scriptures have laid out for us. Yeah. Well, we've 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 placed our treasures and values in the things of the earth. Yeah. And what I'm not saying we have to go live in huts and almost no. live within seven. Uh, feet of one another on a, no, on a cow pasture somewhere. That's that's not what I'm saying. But isn't it interesting that we live in a culture where a Christian has no problem buying a bass boat, but they have a problem tithing? Mm. Isn't it interesting where we live in a culture where people will spend 20 hours a week on social media, but they look at their watch every 10 minutes in the church? Like, it's interesting to me that we have come to a place where... We can spend the whole weekend at the ballpark, but when someone says, let's go to church, we want to sleep in. Yeah, that's that's the word. I mean, this is just us. This is just American. We've Americanized the gospel. Yes, we have. And you go to other sides of the world, and like when me and uh, Pastor Brian, your father, were in Peru, we met some guys that legitimately had, now this is their words. Hear me when I say this. this is their words, not mine. They rode a boat. 11 days to hear white men preach. Mm. They didn't know who either one of us were, had never met either one of us. But their words to us was, we rode two days on the small boat and nine days on the big boat. And I saw the small boat, think about a longer canoe, okay? Mm. And then they got on a boat that would be about the size of what we would call a pontoon boat. And they rode that for nine days. Wow, just to hear the gospel. To hear, they were they were leading uh, jungle churches. And they wanted to be. They filled. wanted to be filled to lead well, so they, in their mind, had to come. Had to hear yeah. us preach. Wow! But in America, we can't even get our car and drive across town. We'd rather watch on Facebook than be in community. We'd rather mm-hmm. watch on the media. And I'm just telling you, man. Like I, I'm not saying that like these people are gonna go to hell. Like this is not me being like, well, if you're not in church, you're going to hell. But you're gonna you're gonna um, stumble in sure. your walk, and you're also gonna stop the modern church from reaching the mission that Jesus is still commanding. The Great Commission didn't stop two thousand years ago. It's no, it off. didn't. And it's still the same Great Commission today. Yes, it is. And and if the PTA asks you to cook a hamburger for the school, nobody balks an eye. But if the church asks you to come clean up around the property or to go share the gospel door to door. People act like it, it, it costs them everything. And this is the difference in the church now and the church then. Yep. This is Barnabas yeah. and Ananias. There's two different spirits here yeah. at work. Right. One's a spirit that cares about self-preservation, mm. and the other one is a spirit that cares about the furtherance of the mission. 
Yep. And when you flip to that spirit that Barnabas has, life's better. Yeah, it is. I don't live in a mansion. I don't live. I don't have everything I ever desired. But guess what? I have everything I need. Yeah. You know. And I, I'm convinced that us as the church, this is well, what I mean, we're called to. You just go read the scriptures. I mean, Barnabas was called a son of encouragement. Mm. What a yeah. And look at the way the Bible look, handles Ananias and Sapphira. Which one do you want to be? Yeah. That's, I mean, honestly, I mean, honestly what, that begs the question: Which one do you want to be? Well, I can you tell know? you which one I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't want to be the one falling over dead and leading my wife astray. No. And leading her to her death. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be that just, guy. Man, we have to we have to look at this, and we have to say, it, honestly, when I look at this, there's two different there's two different churches here. Yeah, the church of of the of the apostles and Barnabas is they laid things down to go to church. Yeah, versus today we lay church down to go to things. Whoa, whoa, that's a good point, and it's the truth, and we it have we truth. have to be raw and real with it. It is the truth. And, You're not wrong. And and I wish I was wrong on it. But That's when, a great when point. things when when things happen in life, we choose life over the church. When you look in the scriptures, they chose the church over life. Why is church always last? Mm. I heard a story a long time ago, and I won't say the pastor that told it to me, but because um, some people might know him. But a pastor told me an account of a of a man that had come to him and said. Pastor, I, I want to pay my tithes. And now listen, this is going to step on people's toes and they're not going to like it, but it's just, it's just reality. I believe in tithing. I believe in the principle of tithing. I believe in the scripture. I believe in when you give, you give cheerfully. right? Yep. I believe that, that when you give with a pure heart and a heart uh, towards the Lord, uh, you may not ever see that quote-unquote money again, but there's freedom in yes. uh, that giving. right? It's Absolutely. not about money. The, the, the prosperity gospel, trying to pimp out the cross is the wrong thing. But the reality is, he said that the man came to him and said, Pastor, I, I want to give, but I can't afford to give and pay my electric bill. And that pastor told me that what he said to him is he said, you give, I'll pay your electric bill. Mm. And that for a short period of time, um, less than a couple months, the church picked up the man's electric bill. But do you know what happened afterwards? was all of a sudden, you know, 50, 60 days into this, guess what? He didn't need it anymore. Yeah. He didn't need help with the electric bill. Absolutely. The funds were coming back to him. And so I use that as a simple illustration to the church in general. Why is the church always last? Yep. It's a great question. I mean, well, we've taken the scriptures and just completely flipped it because, I mean, the scriptures talks about, you know, going specifically giving, giving your first fruits. But my heart, and this is, understand this is Pastor T saying this, and you guys can take it for what it's worth, but I don't think giving the first fruits just has to deal with money. No, I don't, no. I think it has to deal with time. Yeah. I think it has to deal with your priorities, your resources. I, You know, we have people throughout the church that are very gifted in several different um, things of life, carpenters, electricians, um, we have some really smart people in the church when yes. it comes um, to media and different things. And in, in my opinion, when I read the scripture, is the first thing when God has blessed you with those things, you should be giving to is the church, not your job. And that's an unpopular opinion, but I think it's biblical. 
Well, I mean, you could go back to the calling of Peter. You know, Peter offered him his boat. Yeah. Peter, Peter offered Jesus his career. Peter offered his home. Yeah. Peter offered his family. I mean, just just simply. I mean, I mean, literally at their first interaction, uh, there over in Luke five, is is literally when Peter's been fishing all night, and Jesus comes to him and he says, uh, "I want you to cast out a little bit further." And he says, man, I don't want to, but okay. <laughs> he, yeah. said, he said, I don't want to, but I will yeah. because you said it. You said so. And then we know what happens, man. The the, the fish uh, break the net, right? And then that's when Peter says, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. But Jesus doesn't get away from him. He, he just calls him. And even later in the Gospels, it talks about how they've, they've forsaken, strong word in the King James, forsaken all and followed. Yep. And this is the only question, I guess, to wrap up the day, to, to land this plane. Uh, we're preachers, so we get like three closings. Uh, <laughs> is I said this one time in a sermon, and I kind of got a little flack for it, but I say this with sincereness and humility. This is not a prideful. I'm not boasting. I'm not trying to make it a works-based salvation. But I would caution us to hear this. If the gospel has cost you nothing, are you truly following the gospel? It's good. It's it doesn't true. cost everybody the same thing. No. Not everyone loses their job. Not everyone loses their family. Not everyone has the opportunity to pack up and move to a foreign land to present the gospel. Not everybody goes to uh, these places and leads these giant ministries. I understand all that. But if it's cost you absolutely nothing... It's the truth. Then I would... Rather say, are you truly in the gospel? I agree. I'll give you the last word and we'll, we'll shut her down. Me, the last word. You got the last word. <laughs> uh, man, it just, that's a, that's a, it's a true statement. Um, and we don't like, we don't like to hear that. We don't like to hear that uh, because it's raw and it's real. Um, but, you know, it's, it's biblical. You look at everything the disciples gave up. For the gospel. Mm-hmm. You look at Barnabas, yeah. what we just read, what he gave up for the gospel. And you look at Ananias and Sapphira, what they chose to keep for the gospel and what happened. Mm-hmm. And so that's so true. Um, man, I'm excited for many more episodes to come from this. Um, I'm excited for uh, just to get to sit down and talk um, and experience life and just. Uh, We thank you guys for listening um, today. Stay tuned for more episodes. Um, Just depends on what content we have and what we want to bring to the Pastor's Porch uh, for the day. Um, But we love you guys. Thanks for your support. Uh, God bless.